Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. Listen again for God's holy word. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through town. A man there named Zacchaeus, a ruler among tax collectors, was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he couldn't because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down at once. I must stay in your home today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, happy to welcome Jesus. But everyone who saw this grumbled, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone, I repay them four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this household because he too is son of Abraham. The human one came to seek and to save the lost. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God around us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Well, last Sunday we began this series in Isaiah and our focus on what it means to be present to our community And for those of you who were here for our service last Sunday, you know we had a special guest visitor, right? Santa. Uh, We had a visit from Santa, and I gave uh, all of our kids lumps of coal. And I explained that even though getting coal from Santa is, of course, a bummer, what we learn in Isaiah 6 is that getting coal from God is actually kind of a good thing. It's a sign of God's grace. And I left off by saying that confessing our sin is just the first step and that the next step in this process is something we call repentance. And so that's what we're going to speak about this morning. And be honest, if you had known that we were going to talk about sin and repentance again, would you have come to church today? All right, if you're uncomfortable, go ahead. You can leave. Gather your things. I'm just kidding. You can't go. You can't leave. But seriously, most of us can get pretty uncomfortable talking about sin and repentance, and I wonder why. Maybe it's because we don't really understand what a preacher or a prayer means when they use those words. Maybe it's because we're ashamed to talk about or even think about our own sin. Or maybe it's because what we've been taught about sin and repentance makes us uneasy. In other words, there's a a dissonance between the God of love and grace we know in our hearts and the idea of a God who is ready to punish us for any mistake that we make. And one of the names of that kind of uncomfortable theology of sin and repentance goes by this name, turn or burn. Turn or burn. How many of you have heard that term before, turn or burn? Again, this is just such a Presbyterian crowd. I I promise. This is the same at the 8.30. It's like six people. (laughs) 
Well, turn or burn, now I'll educate you, means turn from your sin or burn in hell for eternity. And those three words, turn or burn, have been used by many Christians for generations to strike fear into people's hearts. As for the Christians who propagate this message, I imagine they see it as a sort of service to others, as an invitation to be saved. But the reality is that those three words are about as close as it gets to a caricature of the kind of judgmental Christianity that has driven so many people away from the church, especially in my generation and the one behind me. So let's begin by unpacking those words a bit. Turn or burn. What do they mean? Now, if we were to try to reframe this theology in the affirmative, it seems to be arguing that you must turn from your sin in order to be saved, to receive your reward. But from a Presbyterian perspective, that's problematic, to say the least. And the big problem with that statement is that it sounds an awful lot like works righteousness. In other words, if you do good things, you go to heaven. If you do bad things, you will go to hell. And that makes God's grace seem rather transactional and conditional. But our scripture and our tradition reveal that it's actually the other way around. God's grace precedes repentance. We cannot achieve our salvation by repenting or by anything we do for that matter. So we don't repent to be saved, and yet we're still called to repent. It's just for a different reason. We repent to thank God for our salvation. Our repentance is a response to God's grace, not a prerequisite for it. Repentance is an act of gratitude, not fear. So, not that any of you were apparently subscribing to Turner Burn Theology, but you can leave it behind. And we can abandon the idea that we may have that Our primary associations with confession and repentance should be fear or guilt or punishment. And instead, I want to reclaim repentance as an act of justice, love, and humility. Now, at this point, you may be wondering, I don't don't know what repentance is. Could you define it? I'd be happy to. Well, I admit that the Turner Burn folks got the first part right. Turn. The Greek root word that's used in Scripture for repentance is metanoia, and it literally means to turn or to turn around. And so it's used in Scripture in this way, metaphorically, as a way to describe an inward and outward spiritual turning. And I actually love the way that it's translated in the Common English Bible. It says, change your hearts and your lives. To repent is to change your hearts, and your lives. Because repentance is about changing inside and out. Changing the way we think and act, turning away from the sins that separate us from God and back towards the right way, towards the way of Jesus. And it's important here to distinguish, as I started, between these concepts that are separate but interrelated of confession and repentance. If confession is about admitting our mistakes and asking for forgiveness, then repentance is about learning from those mistakes and doing better. 
In Isaiah 58, as Keith framed the scripture, the Israelites thought that they were repenting by putting on mourning clothes and ashes, by praying and fasting. But God responds to them like this. God says, isn't this the fast I choose? Releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke. Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house? In other words, repentance isn't about being racked with guilt and asking God to spare you. And it isn't about fervently confessing our sin to God because we're afraid that we'll be punished if we don't. To repent is to change your heart and your life. To do God's justice. To feed the hungry. To lift up the poor and liberate the oppressed. And so we are called to repentance not primarily with words or religious rituals, but by changing our hearts and our lives. So what does that look like in practice? Well, here's where we can turn to our gospel story about Zacchaeus for a master class in repentance. Zacchaeus was a tax collector of the Roman Empire. And in the first century Israel-Palestine, people paid taxes to an individual like Zacchaeus, who had been contracted by the empire to collect taxes in a specific geographic region. For Zacchaeus, that was Jericho. Zacchaeus would have had to personally pay the entire tax up front. That is, the total sum of all the taxes due from everyone in Jericho. And so it goes without saying that Zacchaeus was a rich man. He then would have likely hired subcontractors to go out and do the grunt work of going door to door and collecting the taxes. His profit margin was whatever he could collect over and above what he had already paid out to the empire up front. Simply put, tax collectors like Zacchaeus made their profit by overtaxing those who could least afford it, by stealing from the poor. Given the depth of the injustices perpetrated by this man, we can understand then why the crowd grumbles and wonders indignantly what Jesus is doing talking with Zacchaeus. But Jesus understood something that they didn't. He understood that Zacchaeus was longing for an opportunity to confess and repent. And he does. He turns away from evil and towards God's justice. His pledge isn't a one-time tax refund. It's a change of heart and life. It's a repentance that goes far beyond a contrite apology and a guilt offering. In this pivotal moment, Zacchaeus makes reparations for the harm he's done and he changes the course of his life. This is real repentance. And when we repent like Zacchaeus, when we dare to go beyond confession and seek to do justice, seek to repair the harm we've done, when we seek to shrink the space between us and God and us and our neighbors, then, then in the words of Isaiah, then our light will break out like the dawn. That's right. If we repent, 
we will burn. Do you get it? Come on. You see what I did there, right? If we repent, we will burn. Not in hell, but like the sun at dawn. Our light will shine in the darkness and our gloom will be like the noon. And so I introduce to you a brand new Presbyterian slogan for repentance. Turn and burn. All right, say it with me. Turn and burn. That's right. Turn and burn. Turn from sin and burn like the light of dawn. Confess, repent, shine, and repeat. Sin brings darkness, a separation from God and between neighbors. But repentance brings light into that darkness. And it's in that light that we begin to find our way back to the path that Jesus calls us to follow him down, a path that compels us to love others and work for God's justice, a path that leads to a fuller and more beautiful presence with our neighbors. So turn and burn. Follow Zacchaeus' example. Let's be intentional about imagining, planning, and executing the ways that we will do better the ways that we will be more present to our community outside of these walls by listening and loving. And as a Matthew 25 church, let's untie the ropes of every yoke and break those yokes that oppress. Let's live into our call to challenge the systems of oppression that perpetuate racism and poverty. Let's repent like we mean it. Let's turn and burn. This I deliver to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Mother of us all. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.